you know by now that the dogs in my house wear Paco collars, and the newest addition is Stig's tan leather collar with brass fittings and turquoise stones. It seriously looks like the bay we bought our house on, and his smooth coat and long neck show it off perfectly. We picked it out in person at Paco's booth, and the staff helped us to be sure we got the exact fit and style that was right for him. I catch myself mesmerized by this collar when I walk him. How crazy is that? So get over to PacoCollars.com and grab a collar you'll be obsessed with, and don't forget to use the promo code COGDOG for free shipping. We've got a puppy. Puppy Elementary is my puppy training subscription service, and it's all about our new puppy, Watson. It's just $45 for six months of Watson's development and education, and you'll have indefinite access to the materials, so sign up anytime. Just go to www.thecognitivecanine.com and click the Puppy Elementary tab at the top of the page to register. Each week, you'll have access to multiple training videos and blogs, as well as constant access to the Puppy Elementary Facebook group, where you can talk about your progress with other students. Watson won't stay little for long, so join now. Hey there, dog people of the internet. It's me, Sarah Strumming of The Cognitive Canine, and this is called Dog Radio, a podcast about all things dog sports and dog training. Join me as I explore my cases and considerations regarding the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. I hope you enjoy it. As some of you guys know, uh, my friend and colleague, Casey Coughlin, uh, works for me, with me as my assistant coach, and we often just kind of jam about dog training and talk about, you know, what we see with our different sets of clientele and what we see in our own dogs, and we had a really interesting conversation the other day, so we just flipped on the recorder, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Here it is. What? What are we talking about? Keeping our shit together? Like, not losing your shit? Not losing your shit. When shit happens? Uh, Shit happens and you need to not lose your shit. (laughs) That's what we're talking about. There you go. Here on the podcast. There's the episode. The end. Casey Coughlin, everyone. Uh, Let's have a few examples. For instance, you have an intact male who kind of used to freak out a little bit. When he would just ignore you and run up to dogs on the trail. No, no, that's not it. I have reasons, okay? All right, what are your reasons? When I that everyone has a reason for losing their shit. It's never actually unfounded. Totally, but like before Oni, I was not really ever worried about my dogs meeting up, like other, you know, dogs on a trail. Or you were, that, you were that person. You were like, I was cool with it. You were that person that was like, hey, they're fine. They're dogs. Have a nice day. I walked places that were like very like a group of pet people would all just meet together at the same time. And like it was just there were no leashes. So it wasn't like just my, you know, he's friendly, like screaming. It was like everyone was off leash and it was like a big wildlife area that was like kind of like a big dog park. Yeah, it was like a, it was a wildlife area, but people really treated it like a dog park. Yeah, and it was off-leash legal and everything, so, um, but I had Oni there when he was, like, nine months old, and he got T-boned by a Labrador, uh, who was, like, whose mom, like, threw a stick into the water, and Oni was, like, standing at the bank, and the lab just didn't even see Oni and just, like, ran right over him, and... I can't imagine that ever happening. <laughs> Labrador, Labrador? Is so delicate and aware of the, spatially aware. Yeah, I know it was crazy. Hashtag <laughs> sarcasm. <thought>. Um, <laughs> and he got really hurt, and he screamed, and he was holding his leg up, and I was like, "Oh my god, he's my agility prospect and now he's her and like this dog did this to him and you know I just lost my shit as far as like my feelings towards him I was like you know what he's too 
like small and like fragile, you know, and I don't want him to, if he I was like if he gets hurt because of a stupid you were dog, like if he gets hurt my life is over. Yeah, and not even like something that was my, you know, fault like he just gets hurt because a labrador just like is chasing a stick into the water then I'm going to just die. And um that's what started it for me. Okay, so you really just had concerns like nothing like that had ever happened to you and so suddenly you were worried that other people's dogs might hurt your dog and that dog wasn't even trying to hurt your dog right it was just in the lab right and then uh he had to be on like leash walks for you know six weeks or whatever while he like healed like from soft tissue damage and um then after that he was like right in that teenage boy time and i had never had an intact male dog yeah and so then he started doing this regular teenager shit and that whole thing is flashed back at me like if he starts a fire he stands up to the wrong dog or he growls at the wrong thing then he's gonna get himself seriously injured because he's at the end of the day this like little wiry thing and he's not going to be able to take a bite from a shepherd or a lab or like anything with any substance and so then I got I did get pretty worried I've been pretty worried for a year and a half or two years not crazy yeah so what changed (laughs) I mean seriously because you aren't worried I'm not worried, um, and I just spent, I did, it's not like he spent those two years in a bubble, but I was really specific. No, you kept walking him, but you were more, more remote places, I mean, is that right? More remote places, and I was very, um, like, calling him back as soon as I saw someone, and putting him on a leash, and, um, walking at odd times and walking places I knew no one else walked and I was still having him have a bunch of friends so we would meet people and walk with them so what changed like honestly he punished me so bad for this because remember he has that recall problem that I created because I (laughs) destroyed your recall by systematically just every time you saw a dog you called him and you put him on a leash yep because I ruined his recall and so now if I say Oni in the old recall way he just stands up on his tippy toes and looks into the horizon and is convinced that something's coming around the bend and and he's actually dog social so he decided, screw your leash. Every time you call me, I'm going to look for the dog that's coming. And then enough times, he was right. Yep. And got to go have a an interaction. Yep. And so... And that person that can't call their dog away from another person's dog, which is way fun to be. So that person. And I think that I just... Um, was just, I could just see, you know, when you call him and there's nobody there, when I just was calling him because I wanted to give him a cookie. Yeah. And, like, his whole demeanor was changing from, like, relaxed, low tail, sniffing, soft eyes to, like, alert, nervous, on his tippy toes, starting to put his hackles up. You know, I realized that, like, I taught him this and that you know, in real life is that we're just going to run into other dogs. And so I really wanted him to, instead of like avoiding it and then getting really upset when I have my dog leashed and someone else's dog runs up to me, you can't, you just have to, I accepted that I don't have control in that situation and that me, I am the person that's making it, I'm the animal there that's making it worse for everybody. Do you feel like it's been just this you know you had that one big bad moment of the lab running him over and you really haven't had any other huge problems not not that you haven't had problems oh wait yeah because he did have another issue where a dog actually attacked him didn't he didn't he yes yeah he had an issue where again this was like human 
error, like to the nth degree, like looking back on it, I'm like, really, you're a professional and you still did this? Like you're like, (laughs) you're only human, but like, really, Casey, let that happen. I was at a friend's house and she had, he was like 20 months old or something. So like right in the peak of that, like boyness. Um, and we like had drinks in our hands. She had a puppy in her arm and she had this one-year-old intact male and they had met before, but like six or seven months before. And they let him out of the house and he comes charging up to Oni. And then they both do that little male standoff. And then I just walked over and just sealed the deal for it because I just took him by the collar Yep. And like basically on the count of three, I tried to rip him away. Yep. And I started this just massive squabble. And that was probably like the tipping point for me where I was like, nope, he's not good with other males. He's not good with intact males. And also like, I know that I caused that, but still put all of that. I put that story right into my, into my mind right away. But like... And he was hurt from it because he's a wuss. He was. I mean, he was lame for, like, a minute. And it he was, was lame for, like, 24 hours, but, like, really bad. Like, couldn't put his leg down. And I. so I'm still wondering, like, these bad things happened, but you kept taking your dog out. You kept having him off leash. Most people wouldn't. So my first question is what motivated you to continue to hike off leash even after a couple bad things happened? Well, I don't hold leashes. <laughs> Number one, Casey hates to hold leashes. Number two. I saw that as like a... You have been doing the decompression walk thing. Before it was a decompression walk. Wait, for a very long time, and it's been a part of your mental health, too, not just your dogs, for a long time. Yeah, I've been awfully sh- hiking daily for, I think that I counted it was 10 years now. So it wasn't really a question, actually, for you, even after a couple of bad things happened. I still what? had such a high reinforcement history. Exactly. Of walking, and I just really didn't want him to meet any males, and I didn't want to have that happen again and I acknowledge that I totally caused that fight and that sucks and I I could have been way smarter about how I diffused it how I asked him to come away or we asked the other dog to go away or we just probably could have kept walking and it probably would have been fine or we could have been smarter about like not just letting the other dog just charge out of the house while we're like hands full like you know half paying attention yes um but i've made a valid effort to reframe him meeting other dogs as instead of being anxious about it i try and look at it as like a kind of exciting like i want to see him talk to this other dog and you know lately i've just been really obsessed with dog talking yeah and uh what's normal what's not normal what's safe like what we can do to affect outcomes what happens if we don't do anything to affect the outcomes and um now like (laughs) every time we run into somebody and like nothing bad happens i (laughs) like text you every time saying like we Ran into another lab mix today, and oh, everything was perfectly fine. And we just, they said hi, and we walked (laughs) along, and it was completely okay. I mean, you still do. You'll still be like, Oni, there's a dog, and everything was fine again. (laughs) I mean, it's been really, really hard for me, too, to chill out when other dogs approach my dogs. But it's been the most helpful thing I've done for them and for me and my enjoyment of the walks because if you first of all if you're ever if you're trying to control the behavior of the general public and you're trying to ask them to call their dogs like it's never gonna happen it's impossible and then what happened with my recall just happens 
right away to your dog anticipating a conflict. Yep. Like, hey, call your dog is signal for get ready to fight the dog. It's so true. And, I mean, Iggy, like, if I scream call your dog, she immediately tucks her ear, like, pins her ears, runs over to me, tucks her tail, and is like, where is it? Whereas, if I say, it's a friend, she, like, looks and is like, oh, who's here? And it's just been, it's been a huge difference. And it makes my walks so much better because realize that, you know, other people weren't ruining my walks. My feelings about their dogs approaching my dogs were ruining my walks. And now, even if there is a little bit of conflict, like we all move on with our lives and it's still fine. Yeah. And I have found that just straight up, I just start talking to that person right away. I just pretend that dogs aren't there and I am just like, hey. How are you? Yeah. Nice weather. What a cute doodle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then I just keep walking and I make it easy for Oni to say hi, see who it is, and then And then also walking. And the other thing that he was doing a lot when we were transitioning into like being okay with other dogs, remember this? He was he was being really fine until anyone else that I had with me was feeling offended oh yeah so like when I had the foster dog and she would like squeak at a dog and then he would like run in and be a jerk and be like hey and Felix is like that too he's very impressionable like if everybody else is doing just fine he's probably just fine but the second that you know, Iggy or somebody like snarks at the other dog. Felix is like, oh, we hate him. Okay. Let's hate him. <laughs> but really, like, this isn't just about like one dog and one person. It's really just about like our commu- our dog community in general and our expectations of the public. And then how much this is why we're talking about this, right? Because it's like how big of a problem it is when there is an incident and some off-leash dogs run up to your dogs and then everyone is like fuming on Facebook for six years about it. I mean, every single day, pretty much, I can find somebody in my newsfeed that's just furious about somebody else's dog that approached them on a walk. And I totally used to be that person. And not even that long ago. Neighborhood walks and in places where people are assuming that they're safe from being approached. Um, and people that also feel like they really are standing up for their dogs, too. So people that are willing to say, um, no, thanks. She doesn't want to meet right now. Yeah. Have a great day and like move their reactive dog away from the situation or whatever. They're still it's ruining their walk and. And these are all people that know how much it's actually ruining their dog's behavior. Well, and even in the case of, like, if your dog has issues with other dogs, say they're reactive, maybe even aggressive. Um, I read something really smart the other day, and I actually don't remember where it was, so bad on me. But a trainer said that she taught her clients um, not to avoid other dogs on walks, but actually to seek them out. And it's better if you find them before they find you. And if you find them, then you're in control of the circumstances and can set it up to be a learning opportunity for your dog. Whereas if they surprise you, that's when it's trouble. And I just like that reframing of, you know, my dog's got an issue with this. So we're going to go seek out opportunities to work on it as opposed to we're going to try to avoid dogs at all costs. Which never works out. Because then your walk is ruined by one interaction. Right. And there's always exceptions, but 99% of the time, they all know how to talk to each other unless we do something to mess it up, like Casey inserting hand into standoff. Yeah. And ripping one of them away. (laughs) They... They're so savvy and it's so amazing when we just stand back and watch and there's always exceptions, but I think this comes back to like the whole argument of what is normal and what isn't, like what's okay and what's not okay. And I know you have big feelings about that. Well, I just feel like 
what's create i mean what don't i have big feelings about but i just feel like what's creating a huge part of this problem for people is there just chronic lack of understanding of what quote-unquote normal is what it looks like what to be freaked out about what to not be freaked out about um you know people don't even understand like if i showed you 10 different novel dog interactions so two dogs that don't know each other meeting on a trail if i showed you 10 different ones and they were actually all fine you'd still find 10 people who said this one's not fine. You know what I mean? And it's just, you don't necessarily know. And that's also okay. You know, people, not everybody needs to be an expert in uh, dog behavior or dog body language. But I do think it's important to educate yourself, at least on your own dog's responses and behavior to know, because your dog will know if it's normal or not. Yeah, and... Hold on. I need to open a drink. (laughs) You're just getting started. You told me to get one when we started here. I'm on my second one. Oh, my bad. (laughs) My bad. So I think that it's really important to just know what you can do in that situation. So if things turn to where you're uncomfortable with it and your dog's really uncomfortable with it and you're looking it's looking like it's going to be a bad outcome what can you do in that moment how should you react in that moment because screaming call your dog while the dog races at your dog if the dog's true intention is to bite them it's not that's just wasted energy right it's like it's already happening yeah it's already happening and and it's would be smarter for you to just know what you're going to do if a dog fight does break out and that was actually monumental for me when I had Kelso because he was so um dog aggressive that if I couldn't keep a dog away from him there was a likelihood that an altercation was going to break out and once I was made aware of spray shield the glorious product um which is literally just citronella in like a mace can Um, and I could break up a dog fight with that easily without reaching into it. And then nobody was getting hurt because the dog fight wasn't escalating to a point of dogs getting hurt. And it helped me relax so, so much because suddenly if a dog was approaching, I was able to just go, it's okay. I know what I'm going to do if a fight does break out. And he got so much better when... That's what I started acting like. He, of course, still had some major problems, but our altercations were less and less. Right. Because you were now confident instead of getting nervous and anxious. And and I wasn't reaching at his collar and ripping him away from the other dog. <laughs> which I did plenty of times as well. It only works if you both time it at the exact same moment. Oh, well, and typically... at the time I was living in a college town and nobody was ever around I mean they were across the park and their dog was causing me problems I mean and just I see so many pet dogs on a weekly basis and I just I think my hypothesis of what's happening is that their social skills are just degrading so quickly because they're not actually given the chance every day to meet dogs appropriately in like a setting where humans aren't intervening and there aren't leashes and there aren't electric fences and there aren't all these other human things. Absolutely. Uh, If you go and observe dogs in an, an environment where they are largely just free to interact with each other. So the kind of village dogs, feral dogs, pariah dogs of the world, um, they're not fighting. They might have like a spat over a resource like food or bitch in season. Yes. But they're not just fighting for no reason the way that we seem to have our pet dogs doing. Because it's just normal. They 
run in like smaller they, packs and then they integrate with other packs and they go by themselves and they avoid each other and they talk to each other from they're distance. literally all just trying to take care of themselves trying to find their food trying to find a mate and sounds like there's no time to worry about another right dog. and so they're just they and they're all into another dog like, if it's not trying actively trying to take their stuff it's wasted energy to attack them Totally. And they're, you know, and they're obviously a bunch of street dogs because they're, uh, cause they've survived not and neutered and not yeah. people's homes, you know, they're, so the argument of spaying and neutering, making socially more savvy dogs is, or that, uh, I guess intact dogs are going to be more prone to aggression. Right. I think it's what's so interesting about intact animals and whether or not they're socially better with other dogs is like I don't think we can say better but I do think that we can say um just their motivations when it comes to other dogs are different and then an animal that's altered and so you definitely are going to see a different range of behaviors um did you see with Iggy like what I'm observing and I'm not sure if it's because of hormones and or environment or what but with Oni that now he's three and almost you know turning four soon it just seems like this whole year he is just cooled off about worrying about you know his meeting isn't so who are you and I'm going to put my head on top of your shoulder and I'm I see that generally speaking within tech males that if you can survive their like two and three year selves <laughs> that their four and five year old selves are usually better um Iggy's behavior towards other dogs did not change until she was spayed mm-hmm. and she actually got less picky about them which is interesting. She's friendlier now. Um, she's less likely to just flat out not accept a new dog, which was always kind of a 50-50 shot before. But I wonder if that's a difference between a bitch and a dog. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I think with males, um, they're just, they have different motivations. Like, she's feeling more always defensive about who's approaching her. Yes. Because of being a female that is intact versus the male that kind of simmers down hormonally. Um, he literally just has less testosterone pumping through him, less of that drive to find all the girls pumping through him. So he can literally just calm down a little. Um, I think more research is definitely needed in that area, but the consensus when I talk to people is kind of this that we that we have also witnessed that we kind of label them adult before they are truly before they are, adults. yeah. Um, I don't think they're really grown up until yeah, age three or four. I would consider actual maturity, whereas I think medically we have different opinions. Like there are different opinions on that. I think. A lot of people have different opinions on that. What I observe in my dogs is that they don't kind of level out emotionally in any way until they're three or four. In fact, if they're totally cool-headed when they're like seven months old, I'm like, oh God, what's coming? (laughs) (laughs) What's on the horizon? (laughs) Something bad comes this way. (laughs) Like, it always gets worse before it gets better, so what's going to (laughs) happen? Yeah, so you have a teenage boy now. Yeah, what little Waddy, little Waddison, little Waddison. He's eight months old. I'm definitely seeing more of the kind of sexual maturity things. He's peeing on things deliberately. He's peeing over other dogs' pee. He's licking girl pee off the grass and chattering like a disgusting Aww. animal. Um, but you walk him off leash and you're in an area, you know, when we went there, we saw other dogs that weren't part yeah, of our group. I've seen and no changes. He has always been very social and also very high in kind of deference behaviors, meaning like um, 
if another dog postures at him or gives him a warning, he is very quick to make himself small. Um, I haven't seen any changes in that area at all. So I'll be interested to continue observing. He's also um, the most... Like, he's got stuff, because they all do, but he's super well-rounded, just kind of socially, as a Border Collie puppy. Like, never met a strange person, never met a strange dog. Like, that's... Right, he's kind of, like, happy-go-lucky. Yeah, he's been like that from day one, and I've just never had a Border Collie like that. Um, (laughs) Felix loves other dogs and loves people, but because of that he has like the flip side emotions as well. Like all of Felix's emotions are extreme. Whereas socially, I think Watson's only extreme emotion is that when other dogs are running, he really also needs to be running. Motion. Motion Motion is his only big feeling right now. And I'll take it. Um, Do you want to talk about Oni and Felix? Ooh, yeah. Let's talk about Oni and Felix. Because they're good cousins now, but they're... <laughs> they're cousins. They're not, like, friends. They're not friends. They're cousins. They're, like, So this family. last time... Not by choice. They see each other, like, every... Anywhere from three months to six months-ish. Yeah, they've seen each other, like, every three to... Yeah, three to six months for the past... Couple years? <laughs> Year and a half? Am I making that up? Yeah. Uh, year. Year in September? Year no, a year in September. So. So literally, I'm like, two years? And you're like, no, nine months. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know anything. But last September was the first time that I brought Oni out there and they met. Got it. So interesting, Felix right out the gate did not like Oni. Yeah. And felt it necessary to control him at all turns so they were on a trail together felix wouldn't let him pass him but he also had feelings about oni being close to me and it it was all posturing and snarling there was no fighting there was no fighting but we were we were cautious to make sure that there wasn't and i think it's important too that oni knew edgy yeah before Felix knew Oni. Yeah, which was good because Iggy greeted Oni like, hey bud, how's it going? And Felix could see that. I think if Iggy were freaked out about Oni, we would have never stood a chance. Bad part of that was that Oni also knew you, so there was then like a... to say hi to me and Felix did not think that was authorized. <laughs> um, but I And Schwartz was how old? He was too. Yeah. Yeah, because they're like six months difference. Yeah, they're basically the same age. So then kind of next time they saw each other, we used... The next time was when... Did I not use that till this last time? (laughs) I I came in September? I don't know. Just talk. I came in January. We didn't use the muzzle because that was like the trial. Right, right. Um, and it was still like really better in January. It was better. We also picked better trails. We used wider trails so that they didn't have that whole needing to pass each other in a narrow space thing. Oh, and that's when Oni fell in love awkwardly with Felix. That's also true. That second time, because he was trying to like, he really wanted to hump him and have 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 love and felix was like i cannot understand why you're so weird <laughs> and then it's weird he's like now you're not trying to bite me in the face i guess that we can have sex that's so how <laughs> it is. and so then this last time we muzzled them both so that we could both kind of stay out of it and we used wide open areas and by the end no one was muzzled and everyone was fine and it was so fantastic it was so it was the best like talking between two dogs i think lots of discussions 
but like but look away civilized discussions of we both fully know how to speak to each other now because we're both grown-ups and that was the first time that they were in houses together because before they'd always just been managed and kept separated that's also true but because they were doing so well outside of the house and and we weren't at your house so there wasn't like a my home right we had an airbnb because it was for camp and that was good there wasn't really a yard so they kind of needed to just be cool in the house and they were and so it was probably like 30 or 40 percent of the time that they were loose together yeah which and I then think is really good off and we them. walked them we hiked them off leash every day and they did so great so great yeah they were perfect off leash they really were and he's gonna come out and see well then we went to sino sports oh that's true and they they were great they did excellent there like they were loose in the house together they played in the pool together they went on they hikes hiked. they were in x-pens right next to each other in the tent yeah no problems because i think bottom line is most dogs i think just the vast majority actually are interested in conflict avoidance and so if we can just help them do that they are really really quick to just go down that path they want to find the path that helps them not have fights with other dogs it's risky it's expensive like they understand that that's not their best bet if they can avoid it they should the moral of the story calm down calm down put a muzzle on it well and this came up to today when i was talking to someone about like um how quickly we can kind of get into like a your dog my dog like Oni did this to Felix, or Felix looked at Oni. Right, where I'm like, like, well, Oni's being weird and... Exactly, like, having the need to, like, defend your own, and also, no like, how actually hurtful it is for if I said, like, something about Felix or one of the dogs. Like, even if I'm just observing, it is really hard to take that in, like, a neutral way do you agree yeah and then we're just involving a bunch of human feelings and emotions when actually it's all normal dog behavior and we all need to just calm down and accept that it's all normal dog behavior so there's that there's like the human emotion side of it and then there's like past history ptsd stuff like flashbacks of oni fighting this other male dog well, and, um, you know, it's important if we're going to have our dogs around other people's dogs or around our friends' dogs, it's really important to just look at it all as dog behavior and not, um, just, you know, vindictive, weird stuff <laughs> or like, you screwed up this and this and this and then my dog got hurt, right? And so... My fr- that I have friends whose dogs Felix can't is just incompatible with, and that's okay. So we just manage those situations, and I don't worry about it. So, all right, what would you say to people? Because I know that everyone's going to be like, well, that's great. You guys were off leash and blah, 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 but my dog's on a leash, I'm walking around my neighborhood and then some dog gets out of its yard or some guy lets its dog out and we come running up to my dogs and my dog's on leash and their dog isn't. Which could happen on any trail, really, if you like walk around a corner and no one sees each other. What is your advice for people that are holding a leash? Just something is happening. Something's going down. They can't do anything about it. What are they doing? Right. Like, what are they supposed to do? Right. Instead of feeling, like, mad and, like, angry at the whole universe and all the dog people of the whole internet and world. <laughs> well, I would um, 
that's how big the feelings are. I, I mean, that's real. Huge. I would say hi to the approaching dog and I would throw food at it. Especially if the other person's trying to call their dog and their dog's not coming. I think that gives you license to kind of do what you need to do to control the situation. Um, I have been in situations where I would unclip my leash in that situation to make sure that yes. my dog felt like they could do whatever they needed to do. So if it was a safe area to do that in, I might do that. Like I would send Dark, like, go figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't like my dogs to have to interact with other dogs when they're on leash. So if the interaction is inevitable, I like to take their leashes off if I can. And I think people need to get a little more comfortable with damage control. Sometimes you just need to throw food or open an umbrella towards the dog or preemptively spray the dog with spray shield. Like, if that is what you need to do to avoid a conflict, then do it. If your dog's likely to be fine then know that most other dogs you're going to encounter are likely to be fine. I see these paranoid conversations all day long on the internet of just, well, your dog, it's not if, but it's when your dog gets attacked. Right. And I just beg to differ. That can happen sometimes. It's just like human behavior. You could get stabbed in the grocery store parking lot, but you're probably not going to. <laughs> So what are you going to do? Stay home or go get groceries? I mean, I know Casey's going to stay home. Uh, stay home. I hate the grocery store. <laughs> but, you know, same could be said for any other outing that you're on. Like, there are a million different ways that you could get hurt. Your dog is less safe in your car driving to the trail than they are off-leash on the trail. I 100% agree, and I just, and if they can't let them off, I typically advise my clients just to make sure you put slack in it. Like, if your dog starts running towards that dog that's approaching it, you go with it. Like, you yeah, don't let it be that your dog hits the end of its leash right before it gets to say hi to that other dog. Like, let it be, try and make them feel off leash if they're not. Yeah, if you can. And that's, again, where long lines are really helpful. So you don't have to be, like, running. But you can just (laughs) drag. Anytime we can avoid running, I feel, is good. (laughs) No running. There's no... There's... Will ever be... Will ever be... (laughs) (laughs) I hope someone's making a bullet list somewhere of what we are. No running. No running. Mm, optional grocery shopping always and then i do think sometimes we need to actually teach ourselves how to take a deep breath and calm down yeah because that's not something that we are taught or that we practice but it is a skill that we all actually do need and it's amazing how few of us actually have it and that just like, we talk about it all the time with mechanics and different things like this, like how skilled our dogs are at reading us. Like, so much so that you're, like, hypothetically ruining a cue by having your hand in a cookie jar or in your pouch or in your pocket. Yep. And so if they can notice that there's a cookie in your hand or not, or you're in your pocket or not, then they certainly notice when you start getting really high-pitched and worried and weird and you know, clench up on their leash like no other day before. If you're not going to be able to train yourself out of those behaviors, you need to train your dog to respond to those behaviors differently. So clench up the leash. I've had people tighten their leash and then throw food. Tighten their leash and then throw food. So the dog, when they get that tight leash, actually expects good things rather than expecting to be restricted in a social situation that they can't handle. Yes. So it's either change your behavior or change the way your dog responds to your behavior. All right. So what about dog parks? Well, (laughs) what about them, Casey Coughlin? (laughs) Um, I think that a good dog park, like that's wide open with enough room for dogs to move around can be a really fantastic thing. A tiny dog park with not enough space and everybody's crowded at the gate is not a good thing and i also think their dogs are going to enjoy it and dogs that simply are not even if all the dogs there are civilized and nice 
Yeah, Sarah tried to make me go into a dog park in Arizona, and I straight up, like, told her no. And then we went into the shy dog area. (laughs) With our intact animals that weren't supposed to be in any of the areas, and with our treats, which were also banned from the dog park. True. So make sure your dog park doesn't have silly rules as well. Um, there just there are really really lovely ones and there are really crappy ones. It's kind of like dog daycare. There are there's a way to do that right, and there's a lot of ways to do it wrong. And then there's a lot of dogs who just aren't going to appreciate it, even if you're doing it fantastic. Iggy hates dog parks. Iggy hates having to shake hands with common idiots. Okay, that's Iggy. <laughs> shorts it fully depends on who's there at the time he could get down with the dog park but he's you know if you're really really huge and your ears are pointy he could be scared totally (laughs) my sister's dog kenobi like she's got the access to this really wonderful dog park that's huge it has two ponds and it's like a trail system and her dog lives for that place and it's really healthy for him in a really healthy way that she can give him off-leash exercise because she doesn't really trust him to come back. So it's fully fenced, safe. He does come back. She can feed him. <laughs> but if he doesn't, <laughs> he's not going to get it by a car. Mm-hmm. So I think they can be really, really wonderful. I also think they can be a nightmare. Totally. We all just need to be smart about it. Totally. Which... Just all of this is going, like, pretty much against, like, what the common sports person likes to believe about their puppies and how they need, you know, controlling everything is better and monitoring interactions is better. And and that's what I firmly believed. And when I got Felix, I decided to put to the test everything that I thought I had been wrong about before. And this is one of them. And he... Would you agree that, like, he's very, very savvy? Like, if we see another dog on a trail, he's actually the most likely to handle it really well. I 100% agree, and I think that he's only that way because he's had so many chances to, like, figure out how to do that. And if if he was kept from those experiences, like, I can't imagine him being... Oh, I think he'd be a, I think he'd be a disaster if I had treated him the way I treated Iggy. Like, if he had had... Because he has big feelings. His feelings are so big, and he's got a need to put those feelings somewhere. And, you know, he he's just... He's like a whole case study in and of himself, but I'm really happy now at this point. He's like, he's three and a half. I'm really, really happy with his dog-dog social skills. And he's the first dog in my life that I feel like I did a good job in that department. And he's had the most off-leash just experiences from the get-go. Yes. And and lived with your kind of changed mantra of like... Let him be. Let him, well, let him learn by doing. And I mean, I had a couple of moments where I had to have my friend tell me, remind me that he wasn't going to die. And I screamed at her that if anything happened to him, I would die. And then she was like, okay, well, he's still all right. <laughs> so I really had to get through it. But he's he's very so he he uses his words well and he understands all the words that he has in his arsenal. And I just think he's he's been really interesting for me too test everything that I thought I learned before. Yeah, I think what's really interesting about him is that he really has a lot of ways of dealing with things. So, like, I feel like Oni has a really strong handle on, like, avoidance. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's his go-to. He's like, I feel weird. Um, let's use the example of, like, them two together. He's like, short says go away. So I, okay, I'm gonna, like, look away and then I'm gonna, like, walk over here. I'm going to stop, you know, whatever they're, like, talking about, like, about space. Yeah. But I feel like that's really his only go-to. It's, like, that's his strong suit. But I feel like Shorts has, like, 
avoidance and then he has like this really nice like splitting behavior that he'll do between dogs and they'll have like happy like i'll run around with you like he has so many different ways of like managing invite play he can snarl he yes he can air snap really nicely like people these are not qualities people think they want (laughs) i understand that he is the best air snapper snarling and air snapping is not biting yeah and it's intentionally not biting it is a display that means what you are doing right now is unacceptable to me that does not actually puncture anyone or cause a real fight and then he has like lovely like get small behaviors too he also has lovely get small behaviors he's got the whole gamut like he's he understands how to speak his language really really well and he does he he does it really well um and that's why I trust him so much around other dogs. Like, he knows what he's saying. And he's going to say it as loud as he thinks he needs to. And whereas Iggy is just going to pretend you're invisible until you piss her off enough. And then she's going to air snap. <laughs> Unless she thinks you're hot. And then she's going to do cute ear dance. But, you know, that's different. What are, like, some other side effects that you've seen? Like, if you totally just avoid this stuff. If you just avoid social interactions with your dogs, they will be socially inept. For some reason, when somebody suggests that, you know, you pull your kid out of, like, you take your kid to kindergarten, but then that's enough socializing. And then they're homeschooled for the rest of their upbringing strictly homeschooled and maybe they go to events but they're not allowed to talk to any other kids like everyone would understand oh no that's not actually okay but that's what we're suggesting with dogs we're saying they don't need to be social they don't need to interact with other dogs and they just they don't need to know how to speak their own language because i don't expect them to and the reality is that when we isolate them like that i think we do them a disservice they need to It's not fair for them to see another dog, another member of their own species and completely freak out, whether it's because they're scared or because they're so excited because they never get to see any other dogs. Um, Neither of those are fair, even if it's a sport dog. Like, I want my dog to, you know, like Felix can walk through an agility trial and say hi to everybody and then also work. He can also, he can also stay with me and not say hi to everybody. Whereas it took forever to get Iggy comfortable with the fact that there are so many dogs that are being loud and boisterous in agility trials. It made her, and I didn't even recognize how uncomfortable she was in the beginning. Well, like, there's still the same thing is that you can't actually control all of that because no matter how tight everyone's holding their leashes, there's still going to be dog interaction. get a sniff or a head up their butt or screamed at by a dog in a crate or whatever and in the beginning when felix was really hypersocial and just learning the other dogs were like the best thing um you know what no i couldn't have guaranteed that he would stay with me on the start line while the while the other dog left the ring so i didn't enter him until i felt certain that he could be in the ring with another dog and not go see it. And I feel certain about that now. And so now he can enter, he can be on team, he can be in a pairs relay, like he can do all that stuff. He's not going to go see another dog. And I could have really ruined that by putting him in the ring too soon. Because he was really interested in other dogs, especially if they were moving fast. And I think those are the things a lot of agility people are trying to avoid by having their dogs not ever interact or play with other dogs. And what we're doing is we're just creating a bunch of socially inept dogs that are then expected to be in a tight space together. Right. There's something, there's something like there is a disconnect though, between like, I'm not saying at least my personal opinion isn't like, then just go let your puppy ram and jam around with other puppies in a fence. They're not running good things that way either. (laughs) There's, like, such a disconnect between, like, how you're saying be social, but you're also, like, 
we all accept that that's like not really want like you don't just want to like show up every week and run over the top of the same other puppy right yeah but like there's something about just traveling with other dogs that is like teaching them what we're talking about teaching them just being near them going on walks together doing kind of mutual activities mutual enjoyment activities like snuffling and a snuffle mat things like that like no rock'em sock'em robots with other puppies your age is fun and teaches them a few things but social skills is not one of those things (laughs) yeah and we're not also we're also saying like let your puppy drag you up to everybody and feel entitled to invade everyone's space never in fact i don't encourage on leash greetings ever so if you've got your puppy on a leash, um, I would definitely be asking if your dog can say hi to the other dog. And if the answer is yes, and you feel safe about it, you need to unclip the leash for your puppy to say hi. And that, you know, then people freak out about that. But what's, I mean, once again, back to the point of the podcast, stop freaking out. Stop freaking out. Like let them have opportunities to do productive things together like walking all together is so productive there's nature there's other things to explore and climb on and smell and there's changes in environment because all of a sudden you do turn around in the corner and there's something else there well yeah and i think again if people were suggesting that we just put a bunch of human children in like a sterile room (laughs) everyone would go that's weird because it is weird but you put a bunch of human children in a room with crayons and building blocks and cool stuff like that and they're still interacting with each other while doing stuff all right and now they're actually like doing like real observable developmental play and like all these other things and puppy kindergarten can and should look more like that We'll listen to the other podcast about puppy kids. Yeah, I've got another podcast about that. I have a few, actually. Um, can we just talk one minute about... <laughs> this is so ridiculous, but about about Zeus, the dog on the dog's Netflix series? Yeah, sure. And about how great he is? So this is, if you guys don't know, Netflix just launched a docu-series called Dogs. And Casey's talking about one of the episodes about a husky named Zeus. I'm obsessed with him. And she's obsessed. (laughs) She's obsessed. She hasn't stopped talking about it. Is he a husky or is he a a Malinu? He's a husky. He's so big. Size is not the only difference between the breeds, Coughlin. I'm looking looking it up now. You are? Yes, go ahead, though. But he's just like everybody that wants to think about behavioral wellness as we're outlining it, as Sarah's outlined it from the beginning of her podcast series, just like should go look at Zeus and watch this episode. Also, Labrador, that's on like episode three, is also a good example. But Zeus is such a good example. He's like stuck in um syria like in a war zone and his dad is a refugee and has like made it out and is trying to get him like to germany where he is living now and the most amazing thing is just that it just shows over and over again like how he's an intact male he is this breed that's notoriously like known for being stubborn or independent running away and all these other things and he's literally perfection <laughs> he could in a dog. by the way i don't know boss he could be a mal i don't know somebody needs to tell us somebody find out but he's furry and big and crazy and like he just they call him and he comes running down the alley and like they put a shove him in a car and then they shove him on an airplane they give him to strangers and he stays in weird apartments and like he basically does everything that everyone wants like is the best dog like i was watching it and watching it and watching it just like okay he has to get reactive at some point like he has to start dragging this lady on the leash at some point and he doesn't it's so crazy he's perfect 
Why do you think he's so perfect? I don't know, man. I think you do know. <laughs> he's good breeding. No, I think he just has a lot of freedom in his life. I know. His training, his... He has no training. He has zero training. That's the most amazing thing, that he just knows humans. Just like he's grown up with four levels of behavioral wellness just built in to his life. I feel like he has, and it's, you know, maybe a little bit of TV magic. I don't know, but it was... It's not. He's great. He's a really... I like to believe Zeus is just a superstar dog amongst normal dogs in the world. He is a god. Zeus, I mean, (laughs) as his name would imply, is a god. (laughs) All right. All right. I feel like that's a decent place to wrap this up. What would you say? (laughs) Just chill the out. Wow. Can we say the F word? I mean. Just chill out. (laughs) I'll cut that out. Steven. (laughs) I hope you guys enjoyed just listening to Casey and I jam about dogs. Um, If you did, be sure to let us know. If you didn't, I'm sure you'll tell us that as well. And we'll see you over on the Cog Dog Radio Facebook page. Thanks for listening to Cog Dog Radio. If you have questions or suggestions, shoot them over to cogdogradio at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like the Cog Dog Radio Facebook page, and until next time, happy training!